0: Hello everyone, it is now 5pm on this Wednesday evening in Kingston, and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, www.cfrc.ca. Welcome to this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in YGK brings you need-to-know news about what's going on right here in our beautiful city of Kingston. From current news, special segments, and interviews with some amazing guests, I'm sure you'll find something of interest that gets you to tune in. If you have any news to share with me, please contact me via email, which is news at cfrc.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi folks, you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Alexandra here, and I hope you've been having a good week so far and that you have a Great rest of your week as well. Today, we have an exciting interview that we're going to just jump right into with Carla and Graham from Frontenac Cycle Shop. They are here to talk with us in our virtual studio about bike theft in Kingston as well. So, let's welcome Carla and Graham to CFRC 101.9 FM. Would you mind just introducing yourselves for us today?
1: Okay, I'll go first. Uh, I'm Carla. I kind of work here at Frontenac Cycle. I've worked here for five seasons now. Yeah. Oh, that's time. Yeah, so fast. Um, and uh, I'm a bike enthusiast. Bike. Uh, I want to get everybody on bikes because I think they're amazing. And uh, bike theft is a huge problem for everybody, and it's one that we want to tackle. So, yeah, a little about me.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree. Bike theft is is one of the biggest impediments to people becoming cyclists or at least commuters. Um, a little bit about myself. I worked here for close to 20 years, uh, which is a long time. Uh, Started here when I was in grade nine, uh, and then after nine years of working here, I bought the store about nine years ago. So, uh, so yeah, it's been uh, I've my life has been in the bike scene in Kingston, and I've uh, certainly seen I, I've been here long enough to see trends uh, kind of start and finish. And uh, unfortunately, the bike theft trend is uh, not seemingly near its finish yet. So. Yeah. Um, we'll, hopefully we'll discuss some things that'll, that'll help, uh, bring about some change in that regard.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, but no, that's really great. And that's, uh, you know, really cool that, um, you folks have been working, um, you know, at the store for so long and stuff. And just like a more fun question, like, where is this like love for biking kind of come from for the two of you? Uh,
2: well, I'll start. Yeah, uh, I mean... Course. Uh, biking actually is a funny story for me because I learned how to ride a bike when I, much later than most people. I learned when I was ten, uh, and so you know, compared to my son when he was riding a to, uh, riding a pedal bike by four, it's uh, you know a, a little bit different. But uh, once I got into it, I I was full into it. I I actually when I was uh, 12, 11 or twelve, I I did my first bike maintenance course. Um, uh, at, at, then cycle path, which is now Trek store, uh, back when I was young. And then I did the advanced course the next year. And then the following spring I got a job at a bike shop. So, um, that's kind of how I really spiraled into it and was a mountain biker and, uh, fell in love with Italian cycling as well. So just the mm-hmm. Italian passion and, and, uh, cool vintage Italian bikes are, are certainly up my alley. That's how I got into it really. But, my story is not as exciting. I just have a <laughs> I have a background in health, uh,
1: and then when I moved to Kingston, I realized that walking wear all the clothes, it's not as fun. And so, as soon as I can get my hands on a bike, um, it just kind of opened up a whole new world for me. And I was doing my masters at Queens in health promotion, and so I started seeing the bike as a tool for health promotion and so that's kind of why i want everybody to get on a bike because it just helps everybody get a little bit healthier helps the environment uh and all that stuff so that's kind of where i it's kind of where I'm that
2: healthy happy society <laughs> exactly
1: exactly
3: yeah. yeah for sure um and so um what's sort of the history behind you know the shop front neck cycles for like how long has it been around and what kind of you know stuff um do you offer besides obviously you know um equipment and whatnot but
2: yeah yeah so uh the shop was started by uh barry fletcher in 1972 um uh, so it's, the shop has been around for uh, a long time mm-hmm. uh, it's the longest dedicated bike shop in in kingston uh, longest running dedicated bike shop in kingston and uh yeah he's the owner the, the original owner he started it uh very funny enough he started it because he was deciding between a, a speaker store and a bike store <laughs> There was too much uh, competition for audio equipment in the town, so he, he <laughs> opened a bike shop. Um, but I think the the shop has transitioned uh, from what it initially was. I think it was a shop that was uh, focused on racers and kind of not not a commuter market as much. Um, but certainly by the time I started working there, commuter bikes were a heavy focus. Um, but pr- prior to that, you know, 20-plus uh, years ago, It was more road bikes, mountain bikes, you know, uh, as those fads kind of, everything's cyclical, but uh, as those fads came and went, that was kind of more what the shop was focused on. Uh, When I started working there uh, as a teenager, uh, I think that was around the time that the shift hybrids, hybrid bikes, were becoming more popular, uh, which was basically a combination of a road bike and a mountain bike, Um, and once those became more the demographic of customers shifted a lot more towards uh the commuter and so uh you know if you're a commuter shop certainly you hear a lot about bike theft because commuters are the are the the right. biggest uh the biggest victim of bike theft um certainly certainly high-end bikes get stolen out of garages uh, with much higher frequency than we would ever want it to be but commuters are the ones that are exposed mm-hmm. the most they're the ones that they show up to their job, they have to leave their bike outside for eight hours or approximately and they don't have a way to look at it. They don't have a way. It's just out there. And, uh, and I mean, the reality, uh, the the former owner, Barry, uh, he used to always say that if they can break into the Bank of England, then they can steal your bike. <laughs> and so, I mean, a bike lock is, is really more for peace of mind because anybody with the proper tool can cut through a lock, even a good quality lock can okay. cut through fairly quickly um you know would take a minute to get there
3: yeah for sure um and like in regard to that and stuff i know um carla you did an op-ed in the kingstonist um, about Mm -hmm. bike theft in this region um so um, what exactly is like the, you know, the specific problem that's kind of going on within the area? And also um, a follow up question. What are some things um, that the two of you would like to see the city tackle um, in terms of bike theft in Kingston? Like, how would you want them um, to deal with it? And like, what sort of suggestions could you give out?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, like I, at least once a year, I like to like make a public call about bike theft. Because, you know, we are there's you, you look on the the wig and the king on the Kingstonist, and the Kingston is you look at all these news medias that we have. And there's so much good news about, you know, like bike infrastructure going out or, you know, the city getting a lot of money to invest in um, green economy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's always very little mention about bike theft uh, and, you know. Well, to me, if you want to have a sustainable, community, bikes are clearly a part of that. And you can have all the bike infrastructure in the world. But if people's bikes are getting stolen, people are not going to ride their bikes. Um, so that's, uh, that's a point that I think has been, maybe not uh, become a priority. I know it's, I know that it's in the minds of our officials and the city planners and stuff like that. But it's not something that No, anybody has taken action towards. So this this time I wrote the op-ed, kind of more frustrated than ever because this year, 2020, we've seen uh, such a hike in people wanting to get on bikes as well as people getting their bikes stolen. Mm -hmm. And people from the east and west end repeatedly saying that they had their garages or their sheds broken into, and then their bike or their kids' bikes were getting stolen, which is, you know, everything else in the garage was fine, except for the bikes. Um, And it's just, it's one of those things where what Kingston Police doing about, and can we as a community of cyclists do, right? And I wrote a few things in the the op-ed about, you know, having a dedicated police officer that all they do is, you know, bike stuff, whether it's bike education or focusing on bike theft or whatever it may be. Uh, that's all that police officer does and then we also need to you know engage with all the different stakeholders like the city of kingston um the big universities that we have around here because there's a lot of stuff that happens in the universities um and then just the community of cyclists that we have as well
2: and if i can interject yeah. uh, just near the start of your point there talking mm-hmm. about um uh, it's obviously very important to have the infrastructure, but but if people's bikes are getting stolen, then then they're not going to use that infrastructure. And one of the one of the things I'd like to point out is most people can handle their bike getting stolen once. Yeah. You know, if their bike is stolen one time and they replace it, they kind of it's like oh I learned my lesson I didn't lock it mm-hmm. properly or whatever. But then the next time they've bought a nicer bike and they bought a nicer lock uh, to go with it and it, still gets stolen. Well, I'm doing it right here. Like, I I did my due diligence. I locked it in the right spot. I locked it the right way. I locked it with a good lock, and it still got stolen. And then the answer from the police is, like, usually something to the effect of, like, it's it's very unlikely we'll get your bike back. And so that's just really disheartening. And then those people will probably not be commuting by bike much more because it's like – and then ultimately, if they do continue to commute by bike, they're probably riding – a lesser quality bike, a bike that's very ugly, a bike that is not, you know, theft worthy. Uh, and then that's kind of sad because, you know, riding a nice bike is a very enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, if you need a bike out of necessity and you're forced to ride a a low quality or, or something that's just not comfortable or, or whatever, aesthetically Mm -hmm. pleasing, whatever it is, um, it just sucks to not be able to, to do that without the fear of it getting stolen. So, yeah. Um, yeah, to that point of the infrastructure being there is important, but you need to have the community mindset in a place where they feel like if it's not going to, A, it's not going to get stolen, or B, if it does get stolen, there's some sort of recourse. There's some, some sort of sense that people are doing something about it. Um, and, and so a bike, a bike theft unit of the police, I think, is, is extremely important. Mm-hmm. if the police every time you call the police and they and you say my bike was stolen they say oh we get a lot of that like it's too much for us to handle the volume of this crime is too much to handle is the answer to to just let it happen like there we go. Yeah. you know <laughs> or, is the, or is the answer to say oh this is a big problem oh we should have a dedicated unit that does you know a detective that does say okay you know these same 20 characters keep stealing bikes and they keep getting arrested and they keep spending a night in jail and then they go back out and then they steal the next bike. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to (laughs) like, I don't want to ramble on too much. Uh, but, uh, you know, what it comes down to is, is how do you punish a bike? Uh, if you catch somebody stealing a bike, Uh, There are laws about property crime. I am not a lawyer or a police officer or anybody involved in the legal system, but, you know, a $500 bike means a lot more than a $500 stereo or a $500 pair of shoes uh, or something like that because oftentimes a $500 bike is somebody's way to get to work, pick up their kids, do their groceries, uh, relieve stress, uh, exercise, stay healthy. So it's, it's a what is the value of a bike? Is it just the dollar value or is it the value to the person? So I, you know, again, like I don't, I don't have the answer to this, but I think it does need to be looked at like, is treating it as a dollar value crime? Is that the best way to treat it? Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that moving forward, but it is something that I think needs to be posed to the higher ups. (laughs)
3: Yeah, for sure. And that's definitely like an interesting perspective to take on it for, um, yeah, completely. Um, And I know that in 2018, also Frontenac Cycle Sport launched a bike theft survey. Um, I think you briefly mentioned it earlier in like a database. Um, And like, can you share some of the findings um, with us and what sort of like, you know, um, sort of appeared and the results? Yeah
1: yeah for sure uh yeah so it was a survey that we did um in 2018 i kind of ended uh in november i think it was from august to november or something like that um and approximately like 250 something people responded uh which i was you know i was very happy to see but i know that that is just a very 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 small amount of the people who are actually affected by bike theft Uh, and and you know we part of the parts of the questions were just like you know where where to the best of your ability was your bike stolen uh what time of day what parts were stolen but the the most interesting part uh i guess was that there was a question asking the 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 person who was participating to estimate the amount of Uh, money that had been stolen from them the value the value exactly so whether it was you know their whole bike or whether it was a wheel or a handlebar or whatever it was i there was a question there that asked them to estimate uh the value the money value that was was stolen from them Mm -hmm. and after going through you know all the 250 something uh responses and adding everything up it all came out to approximately one hundred and fifty
2: thousand dollars wow which yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> that's crazy. And, we,
2: and that's people's guesstimation, but it, yes. but when we're looking at it, we're like, yeah, yeah. they're pretty close. Like those are yeah. those numbers are accurate. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, exactly. and so yeah, that's a pretty staggering number. Exactly, you of know, of two hundred and fifty respondents, from, like yeah, from exactly.
3: such a small sample size. Yeah, that is
2: yeah, exactly crazy. Hundred fifty thousand. Like so,
1: I I I part of part of the the reason for for publishing that report and letting people know about it was to maybe let you know educate people. In, into letting them know that you know a bike is you know a bike can be cheap but if you have hundreds and hundreds of people getting bikes or parts stolen it can be a sizable amount yeah a
2: wheel stolen is yeah. is a hundred dollars of exactly. it. like you know and that's not yeah. for that's not to buy a fancy racing wheel or anything exactly. that's that's a, a decent quality yeah. replacement wheel is a hundred bucks and so yeah. yeah it's it's frustrating because Again, I kind of come back to you know who who are bike thieves and what is their motivation and um, and you know I certainly don't have uh, hard hard concrete evidence, but it, but more so uh, just a sense of what's going on and having been in this in this industry and in and in this city for so long, and it seems like bike thieves are generally uh, people in a lower socioeconomic status uh, that are usually addicted to some sort of drug. Um, And I think that for the most part, it's uh, criminals who are more organized that prey upon uh, Mm. a section of society that is addicted to drugs. Um, And these people don't have much to lose. Mm. So what does it matter to them if they get arrested 15 times in a year stealing bikes? It doesn't matter to them. Um, And so so I would, you know, and to Carla's point about uh, hearing about things in the newspapers you often hear about things about bike thieves getting caught but i'd much rather hear about the the house that's full of bikes because the problem to me is not the in a lot of cases it's not necessarily the big problem is, is not the person that's stealing the bike it's the place that they're taking it to to get the money for it Because those people are much more organized. Those people have the wherewithal to store and ship bikes uh, out of the city. Uh, These people are more organized. And so, uh, again, getting back to the fact that there needs to be a bike crime unit. You know, it's so stupid to me that we can have an entire city of people that acknowledge that there's such a huge problem, have a police force who we communicate with regularly, acknowledge Mm -hmm. it's such a big problem, but that they can't understand that there's clearly uh, organized criminals that are making a lot of money.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, if you, sell, if you steal a bike and you pay $10 to, for them to steal it, and then you can sell it for $300, and yeah. people would jump at the chance to buy it for $300 because it's actually worth a 1000 mm-hmm. you know, the profit margin is there for organized crime yeah. to really step in and say, I would rather get caught with 10 stolen bikes and make the same amount of profit and i and i get a slap on the wrist or theft under 1000 or 5000 dollars or whatever mm-hmm. so it's so stupid there's just mm-hmm. a um a cognitive cognitive dissonance between between the sentencing uh, and and uh the police like it, it it's just i don't know i don't i get frustrated <laughs> i get <a> lot <laughs> of talking about it because it just doesn't make sense to me it, mm-hmm. it, it for it to have gone on for so long without an issue without it being resolved Mm -hmm. and and I don't it, because action is hard to do I get there's a lot of bureaucracy and everything but it just seems so clear to me that bike theft is a big enough issue that we need a detective you know that is dedicated to that problem Yeah,
3: yeah for sure And when that, um, you know, like when that survey happened in 2018 and like, um, you know, now it's, I guess like two years later, um, Mm -hmm. pretty much, um, has there been any change that you've seen or no? Okay. No. (laughs)
2: Well, the change would probably be the, not the change you want to hear about. It's the change the wrong way. Um, it's, it's tough because we don't have a lot of, uh. It it is it is difficult when you're in the middle of a busy day at the shop to like start recording hard data on thefts yeah. and stuff like that. But we definitely we we see it a lot. We see it often yeah. enough to know. I can say without a doubt that it has steadily been increasing. Yeah, and it does it does seem like it. Um, it it jumps. I mean, if I were to put a number on it, I would say ten percent every year. It's like we're getting a little bit more of an increase each year. Mm-hmm. Um, although this was the first year. Probably where there was less, be, well, but things, but only because yeah. of COVID and people yeah, not
3: that makes sense. To work. There's not yeah.
2: students and people were not yeah. commuting to work right. or class, and yeah. so you know again, like the most of the majority of the theft we see was commuters were the victims, yeah. and so so yeah. 2020 is a uh, you know yeah. I think there's just a massive asterisk beside this year, yeah, for many reasons, but mm. um, but yeah, so but certainly from the time that we did the study. From the mm-hmm. from at least four or five years prior to that, uh, to the year or mm-hmm. so after that study, I I saw a steady increase of bike
1: mm-hmm. theft and issues. Yeah, and and this year in twenty twenty, I can definitely say that more than ever, we've had people from from not from the downtown area, but mm-hmm. from the west and east mm-hmm. ends, like saying more than ever that their the garages were broken into. Whereas mm-hmm. this last year and the year before that, it was like. Maybe new people who would say that yeah this year it's been dozens of people who've said that yeah. so yeah maybe maybe they're not focusing on the commuters anymore they're focusing on the performance writers
2: now, well so. yeah and i mean yeah. i mean the other another silly thing is uh with social media it's very yeah. easy to figure out who has a nice bite
3: that you can weird.
2: go on facebook you can go on facebook look through somebody's pictures oh they've got a They've got a $6,000 mountain bike in their house. Uh, I can pretty well figure out where they live because the internet is the internet. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, and like, I've heard of, uh, there was a popular training app called Strava and Mm. people would hit, go on their Strava and then they do their ride and they post their ride. And people are like, Oh, you start and stop at this one spot. And uh, you've got a, a super high end bike. Okay. Gee, I wonder where it is. So like, you know, I think people, as it happens, people get more savvy, but there's, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough crime. I don't blame the police. If you get a hundred or, you know, if you get 20 calls in a day about bike theft, yeah. like you catch a guy with a bike. It's like, I didn't steal it. I bought it off somebody, Yeah, which is actually something that happened to me. Yeah, uh, When I was in high school, I had a mountain bike stolen at a friend's house. Two, three years later, a guy walked into the store with my bike. And I you know, I took his name and his number down. Uh it was at the very end of the day. So I just took the bike in like a repair, uh, called the police. I have a saint of a mother who had everything filed away, all my serial number, my receipt, everything filed away at home. So, you know, I raced home, got all that, showed the police and I got my bike back. But that doesn't happen to everybody. Not everybody works at a bike shop like where <laughs> yeah. you
3: know?
2: so, like that was really like, you know, that's a one in a million chance that it's going to happen mm. like that um the people that get their bike backs their bikes back are the people that uh know their serial number mm. uh have made detailed descriptions to the police uh, had a friend got their bike back because the pink handlebar tape yes uh, and they raided a house in the West End and found it and a police officer that was there was like oh I remember somebody making a report about pink handlebar tape mm-hmm. and called her up so like yeah. the people that get their stuff back are the people that do their due diligence and right. register your bike yep. and this is a perfect segue to Carla about project 529 yes so uh, registering your bike
1: yes definitely very important and something we've been encouraging for, for years um it's a uh, project 529 which is a nationwide registration system it's completely free to register your bike and well, whether it's just your bike or the many bikes that somebody may have uh and it's an app on the phone or they can even do it online uh on like the internet uh, but the wonderful thing about it is you can actually put photos of your bike in there because we have a lot of people who call us saying you know my bike has keep an eye out for it and we're like okay great what's your bike look like black it gives us nothing right but if they have like but something like photos and stuff like that it's a huge help and then another thing is uh i don't know if you can see this red button right there if the bike's ever stolen hit that red button and then everybody in the area who uses the app uh including me will get a notification on their phone saying this bike was stolen here's what it looks like if you see it you can send a tip to to the person who posted it um so it can be a way for like for like the community of cyclists in Kingston to kind of keep an eye out for each other and you know obviously see see what bikes are around. Cause if your bike was stolen uh from you know Princess Street, but then I'm in over in the West End in Bay Ridge and I see it, I can then let the police know, I can let the person who posted it know um that you know their bike is still in Kingston, which is a huge step in, in getting somebody's somebody's bike back.
3: Yeah. And I was, my next question was going to be like, you know, even though some people may be deterred from riding bikes and stuff with everything going on, do you have any tips, um, you know, for people if they want to like keep their stuff safe and obviously 529 is great, but if you have anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners.
2: Yeah. Well, certainly the registry is, is, is paramount because, and and the 529 is great because it's like, we call it an online garage. You've got your stuff stored. You can make, you can, update about changes made to your bike, yep. but uh, a good do, uh, if there's one thing that uh, commuters are who are listening to this can take away, it, do not trust a cable lock. Yes. Uh, we sell cable locks, but only because people continue to ask yeah. for them. They are not strong. Yeah. It is essentially like taking a thick gauge of string and tying your bike up with it. It is not safe. Uh, so cable locks really are not what we would recommend. If you're ever using a cable lock, it should be in addition to a stronger lock. And this is a simple thing you can do at home. Uh, If you take a like a five minute epoxy, like just a quick set epoxy, and you fill the bolt holes, um, uh, and I can go into a long detail, but I'll keep it short. Uh, If you fill the bolt holes uh, on your parts that are likely to get stolen, it makes it so that a a thief can't get their tool in to Mm -hmm. take the parts off, and it would be frustrating. A lot of, almost all bike theft, a very high percentage of it is is a crime of opportunity. It's, uh, oh, I've got bolt cutters. Oh, there's a cable lock. Oh, I can snip it and go in two seconds. We've heard of stories of people keeping bolt cutters on a necklace and wearing a big jacket over it and walking up to bikes, opening the jacket, snipping the lock, and walking away. It it's literally takes them three seconds. And, and anybody that's, you know, even a discerning eye that watches somebody doing that is not thinking they're stealing a bike and so, so keeping your lock low locking locking low on the bike is is a little bit more awkward for a thief um, locking a lock tightly in so if you have a really long lock it's a little bit easier to pull out and cut or hammer or whatever um, so you want as, as small a lock as you can afford with the wherever you're locking it um, I, I have lots of tips and I have lots of tricks but Uh, ultimately a lot of the time you're dealing with somebody who doesn't think like you would as far as tips go out of sight, out of mind, get a good lock uh, and lock it in a high traffic area where, uh, where it's going to be near a door to a building uh, or something like that. And actually the biggest thing is don't lock it at all. Bring it inside with you. Ask for uh, forgiveness, not permission. Just bring it into your office. If somebody complains, just say, I can't afford to get on their bike stolen and and like just really push the issue that your bike is too important to you to leave it outside for eight hours a day. I mean, I know that's not going to be feasible for everybody that works, but Mm -hmm. you know, for if you can get away with it, try and get away with it. Because because outside for eight hours a day is is asking to get stolen.
3: Yeah. For sure. But yeah, thank you so much. No, this was a really great conversation. I definitely learned a lot from it and I hope that our listeners did too. But no, thank you so much for also um um, yeah, just informing us about this problem, and I'm glad that we can get it on the airwaves, make it more known to folks, um, and also just you know um,
1: help folks. Absolutely, no.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Thank the other,
2: you. The other thing I would just say is, if anybody has questions, yeah. feel free to call us, like yeah. or come by. Like we we we're always, happy to, we're always happy to talk to people about how to prevent theft, or, yeah. or we always do a discount for somebody that's had something yeah. stolen. Like um, that would be the other thing is like if anybody does have something stolen. And they take it to a shop, maybe just mention that you had something stolen yeah. because I think most people at shops are pretty sympathetic to it yeah. and uh, and it would potentially be a way to save some money, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just as a uh, another note. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: but anyway, thanks a lot. that was great. Yeah, thank you yeah. for
1: for letting us talk about the subject. yeah.
0: thank you so much carla and graham for coming into our virtual studio at cfrc 101.9 fm to talk with us about the bike theft issue in kingston and also giving us some tips on how to protect our bikes and what we can do to stay safe out there so that way we can continue um, staying active and also doing some great things for the environment but thanks for tuning in everyone i hope you have a great rest of your day Thank you for listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.